world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard. Fear no evil. Get yours today only at LipstickBodyguard.com. A geriatrician is much more than a physician who simply cares for old people. Geriatricians must, above all, have a genuine fondness for the elderly and a deep and widening knowledge of the problems they face. Diane's special guest this week, Dr. Laurie Jacobs, president of the American Geriatric Society, is here to discuss the critical role geriatricians play in the care of our aging parents. Join 180 million monthly subscribers who can now listen to Parents Are Hard To Raise on Spotify. Welcome to Parents Are Hard To Raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert Diane Berardi. When your children were little, you probably took them to a pediatrician. That's because babies and children have specialized needs that differ from those of adults. But what about those on the other end of the spectrum? As we age into our 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond, will our medical needs be that much different than they were in our 30s and 40s? This week's guest medical expert is here to shed some light on that question. Dr. Lori Jacobs is the president of the American Geriatric Society, chair and professor of medicine at Seton Hall School of Medicine, and chair of the Department of Medicine of Hackensack University Medical Center. She earned her medical degree at the prestigious Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons. And across her career, Dr. Jacobs has developed and expanded clinical programs for frail older adults, as well as geriatrics education and training for physicians at all levels. Dr. Lori Jacobs, welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise. I'm pleased to be here. Thank you, Diane. Thank you so much. And I guess where we should start is, could you tell us what a geriatrician, what do they do, and how is that different from, you know, our parents' primary care physician? So geriatricians can function as a both a primary care physician and also occasionally as a consultant uh, when older people have a trusted primary care physician but need someone who can focus on specialized issues related to aging. Um, geriatrics is a field that focuses on older adults and tries to be very person-centered and focusing on how to improve an individual's health as all physicians do, but also looking at their independence and their quality of life and trying to measure what treatments are best at this point in your life. I would imagine you take a more in-depth assessment and look at social as well as physical. Geriatricians look at the whole person. So we do a complete medical assessment in the same way that a primary care physician might, a history and a physical. Right. But we add to that uh, an examination of a person's ability to walk and move and function and their ability to think and remember 
and have other cognitive functions. We also look at their social interconnectedness and how they're managing in their social and physical environment and try to figure out how to help them maintain their independence where they are. Right, because there's so many elderly clients that I come in contact with and they do, they they go to a physician, but then they come home and the physician probably doesn't know anything about their life or, you know, their needs. Are they eating their medications? Maybe why are they not taking them or can they get to the drugstore? Different things like that. Yeah. Geriatricians really focus on, on the individual and where they're at and really focus on someone's goals of care. So if someone is not succeeding in their current environment, but it's really important for them to remain at home, we try to figure out how to bring the care to them. Others, you know, might be interested in making a change in doing a health intervention or moving in their environment. So we spend a lot of time talking to patients about their medical condition and what uh, might be done, but also um, about the larger issues and, and what they want for their health and what are their goals. Which is so important, you know, somebody to talk to and to understand and where they want to be. That's what's so important. You know, my mom just, uh, we found out is, is very ill and my dad has macular degeneration and other issues. And so we're trying to get him to be a little bit more independent. And, you know, my sister's like, he has to go to an assisted living, you know, he, they, and, and no, he wants to stay home. So, there's so many aspects. He's now, you know, become the caregiver for my mom. There's so many things that encompass a person's health and life. So this is really important. I always say, you know, please, if you can find a geriatrician for your parent, I think that's the best route to take. Well, geriatricians try to organize and help families and patients find their way through the healthcare system. I find that as you get older and you have many other problems, patients and individuals go off to see, unfortunately, lots of doctors. Right. And sometimes each one looks at each organ. So you hear about your eye, your tooth, your heart, your bones, but nobody pulls you together as a person, and you're yeah. a person. Right. And uh, it's really important to understand where that person is. We sometimes don't pay enough attention as people age. They become invisible, and yeah. they are as much an independent person as they were when they were 20 or 30. Um, and it is important to get their ideas about it and then perhaps, you know, discuss with the whole family how are we going to get there. Right. Um, But they have strong opinions, just like you and I, about what we want for ourselves. No, absolutely. Now, why is it so hard to find a geriatrician? Well, unfortunately, we are a small but... uh, sturdy band of about 7,000 physicians in the country. Uh, There are not only physicians that are in geriatrics, but uh, other uh, providers, nurse practitioners, pharmacists that provide care, you know, specifically for the elderly, et cetera. Um, It's a specialty of either family medicine or internal medicine for physicians. And I think historically, perhaps, uh, aging was not as exciting as a field. It's sort of low-tech and high-touch. Um, but yeah. those in the field actually have been found to be amongst the most happy and satisfied physicians because I think we truly enjoy people and talking and working with patients and families. 
In addition, actually, the medicine is really complex. People come with a variety of medications and problems, and you have to figure it all out. It's not a single, you know, disease with a single organ system that many physicians deal with and sort of move through the day seeing a lot of the same. We have all different families. But there are not a lot of us, but all of us are engaged in trying to expand our field. Uh, At Hackensack, uh, we have geriatric fellowships to train uh, future physicians in geriatrics, but we're also reaching out to try to train physicians in all different fields so that if you can't find a geriatrician, hopefully you'll find a physician that was touched by one of us and had some education and training uh, in geriatric medicine. There's a lot of information about prescribing for the elderly. Many medicines should be dosed differently or used differently or not used together that other physicians are unaware of. So I always recommend that uh, patients try to find a geriatrician if possible. Otherwise, um, try to work with a primary care physician who has, you know, some background in geriatrics. Yeah, I would imagine because, you know, the elderly with chronic conditions and geriatric syndromes, it is very complicated. Even a UTI for, you know, you or I, but then for our parent, how they respond to a UTI is totally different. That's true. And different people benefit from our expertise at different times in their lives. Some come with one specific problem and they're trying to decide should they do this intervention or not. Others come because they're becoming increasingly frail and and not tolerating treatments that they're getting from other physicians. And others come just to have someone help them organize and and work around the multiple conditions that they have, as you said. And then we focus beyond the general medical conditions like heart disease and hypertension and diabetes, which we manage on a daily basis. But we're also looking at conditions such as urinary incontinence or falls, Um, mobility problems, uh, memory problems. So we reach beyond uh, just general medical problems to the issues that face older adults, many of which no one talks about. No one likes to say if they have memory problems. They're they're very afraid. Um, And we try to make a sort of welcoming environment and screen everybody so that the patients have a sense that this is routine and, and I'm not just picking on you. Um, to ask about your memory or bladder function, etc. Right. We're going to continue talking with Dr. Lori Jacobs, but first I want to tell you something. If you're a woman or there's a woman in your life, there's something you absolutely need to know. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only 5 feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her six foot four, 250-pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless-looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing. 
which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000 pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. Were you ever young? You're listening to Parents Are Hard To Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. Listen to this and other episodes on demand using the iHeartRadio app. iPhone users can listen on Apple Podcasts and Android users on Google Podcasts. Want a great new way to listen to the show? Have an Amazon Echo or Dot? Just say, Alexa, play Parents Are Hard To Raise podcast. Getting the latest episode of Parents Are Hard To Raise. Here it is from iHeartRadio. It's as simple as that. You're right, Dolly. There are so many really cool new ways to listen to our show. It's hard to keep track. You can join the 180 million listeners on Spotify. You can listen in your car, at the gym, or pretty much anywhere on your smartphone with Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. You can get us on Apple TV, DirecTV, Roku. And like Dolly said, you can even ask Alexa to play the show for you. It's great because you don't have to be tied to a radio anymore. You can listen when you want, where you want, for as long as you want. And if you're listening to the show in one of these new ways, please do me a big favor. Share this new technology. Help someone else learn about the show and show them a new way to listen. So, I'm going to put you on the spot, Dr. Jacobs. I'm going to ask you, why did you go into geriatrics? Ah, well... <laughs> I trained in, in, in internal medicine during the 1980s, uh, during the AIDS epidemic, which was a really difficult time with many young people in the hospital, uh, very, very sick and dying. But yeah. in between all of those young people, there were older adults, and they were almost invisible. No one paid attention to them. Uh, yeah. And they were really crying out for someone to care about yeah. their health and their illnesses. And uh, at the time, I had a wonderful mentor, and he said to me, you're here now, but move forward a couple of decades. There are going to be lots and lots of older <laughs> adults, and they need care, and no one's doing it. So I heard, you know, yeah. mission, and I went into geriatrics, and I've never looked back. It's wonderful. Uh, uh, and your mentor was right. <laughs> About the yes, numbers, <laughs> right? The numbers of older people are, are growing. Um, our attention to our own health and advances in health care and reductions in smoking have allowed people to live much, much longer lives. So when I started uh, in geriatrics um, up till the present day, I've had some patients for 30 years, and they thought they were old 30 years ago. <laughs> they were not old, and honestly, I don't think they're old today. 
you're only as old as you think you are, really. Right. It's everyone true. inside still feels like a young, vibrant person in general. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so what is your role now? So now I'm the chairman of the Department of Internal Medicine at both Hackensack University Medical Center in New Jersey and our new medical school, Hackensack Meridian uh, School of Medicine at Seton Hall. So I run programs uh, in the internal medicine specialties, general internal medicine and geriatrics. And like many parents where you love all your children, you love all your children, but you may not love them in the same way. And geriatrics has a very special place in my heart, and that's one of my divisions. And I practice in their division, seeing patients and teaching uh, students and residents and medical uh, fellows and so forth. And how would our listeners and the, you know, the general public find information about geriatrics care? So one of the great sources is actually the American Geriatric Society. They have um, a website for professionals, and then they have a website uh, for the public that has all kinds of information on where to find providers, on specific diseases, um, and it's it's actually a very useful site, and it's been procured from health professionals, so you can feel uh, that the information is accurate. There is a lot of other information on the web, um, but I think that this this would be a very good site for individuals. The website for the public is called healthinaging.org. Ah, okay. And it has information, as I said, on where to find providers as well as on medical conditions, on medications, um, what to ask your doctor, all kinds of uh, bits of advice that I think are very useful. We have listeners from all over the world. Is this... um worldwide on that site? or Yes, it's yeah. on the web, and actually the American Geriatric Society has members from all over the world, and our journal has Wonderful. submissions uh, from international uh, geriatricians, um, and it's very interesting. America sort of learned from the British. Geriatrics started in, in England, uh, and then it grew in this country, and now as many other countries have uh, matured in their average age and become more industrialized uh, and people are living longer, how to care for the elderly has become a very important topic uh, in Japan and Brazil and even in China. Um, even in societies where you think there are so many young people, still yeah. there are many, uh, many more older adults than there had been in previous decades. So uh, we all share on a national and international level um, information about how to best care for the elderly as we uh, discern it from research and, and consensus conferences and so forth. Now, me as an you know adult child, what role should we play as children, adult children, in our parents' care? So that's a very good question, um, one that I'm asked regularly. <laughs> um, if you ask older adults, uh, they're as different from each other as as we are, and some of them include their children very closely and their yeah. children know everything they think and they may even defer decision-making to their children. In other cases, they want to maintain their independence and they do not want their physician to share information with their adult children. And as you know, patient confidentiality is very important yes. today. So if the patient has the ability to understand, uh, a physician really has to ask 
that individual, do you want me to talk to your daughter about this? And most times they'll say yes. And then if that's the case, uh, they can tell their daughter or you can reach out or their son. Unfortunately, it's often a daughter, but (laughs) more and more it's a son or daughter-in-law, son-in-law. And if they bring you into their care, uh, you have to respect the fact that this is their care and their lives. And we may make choices differently from for ourselves yeah. than they make. Um, so it's really important to listen first uh, and to realize also you can't always fix everything <laughs> and it's all a process. Um, I work with families very, very often. And if, if my patient allows me to, I include them in conversations about decisions. Um, sometimes that's overwhelming and somebody brings in their entire family <laughs> and you're sitting there and each one is, is asking you a question. Yeah. So if in a family that has a lot of children and is very, very enmeshed and involved, it's often helpful to get the older adult to, to indicate which child <laughs> yeah. uh, is it that they want you to talk to. And um, I've had daughters say to me, uh, how can you take this? How can you work with my mother or older (laughs) patients like this? And they're just reflecting their own relationship. And as I say to them oftentimes, I actually really enjoy talking to your mother, and she's not my mother. (laughs) So the relationship is very different. And sometimes when you're talking to the children, they're working out their own issues with their parents. They're not thinking clearly at times about what's best for their parents. Um, from their parents' point of view, and that's the point of view that I need to take. Um, I'm looking out for their parents' health and safety, um, and I take into account everybody's opinions, but ultimately if the patient's able to make decisions, it's their decision. Yeah, and that's a tough one, you know, because we're all saying, all right, they have to do this or they have to do that, and then, you know, and I find myself you know, saying to people, you know, they can make a decision themselves. The decision is ultimately theirs. It may not be your decision. And one of the hardest things is that they're adults and they're allowed to make bad decisions. And sometimes they do. Right. Um, So I've had patients choose to stay at home, even though they were really failing at home and at risk. And uh, I say, I don't think this is a good idea, but I'm your doctor, and I'm here for you, and I will support you in your decision, even though I think perhaps you're making the wrong choice. Um, and I think you have to have that in mind. And, and for kids, they feel that they can't let their parents make what they view as a bad decision. Yeah. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Right, yeah. You know, you're you're like, I have to protect them, you know? No, they can't do that, you know? And then you're like, wait a minute. You know, they're adults, and they can make their own decisions, and this is the decision they want to make. But, you know, yeah, you as a child, it's such a new experience. You know, okay, my parents are going along, and everything's fine, and then, bam, something happens, and you have to make with them all these decisions or abide by the decisions they make and you may not agree with them and you feel like, uh, no, they should be doing this. <laughs> I think that if you know what they want, you're on solid ground because if you feel like you have to make the decisions in a vacuum and you don't know what they want right. and they can't tell you, that's where the responsibility weighs so heavily. If you know you're fulfilling somebody's wish and they wanted this surgery or they didn't want this surgery, 
then you feel more comfortable about it, even if you would have decided differently. That's great. So I think that ultimately it's good for families to have some general discussion about what each person wants uh, for their care and who they think might best be their decision makers. In most states, you can appoint someone to be your healthcare proxy or your medical decision maker. It needn't be a child. It could be a peer. It could be a friend, um, anyone except for their doctor. And uh, they should really discuss what they want. You'd be surprised. I'm always surprised to see that uh, someone who I thought would have no views about this has very strong views about it yeah. um, and says, you know, if this happens, I don't want anything more, or if this happens, don't call my daughter. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's very interesting. Um, if you give patients and adults the opportunity to talk, they often have something to say. You're right. You're absolutely right. And it warms my heart because you you have the heart for the elderly and they sometimes are invisible. And I'm so glad to have geriatricians. And I think we all should be. We all as children of aging parents are so grateful. Well, we'll be there soon. (laughs) I I know. Now, how would people reach you? How would people get in touch with you if they would like? Uh, They can reach me through the American Geriatric Society or through Hackensack University Medical Center, um, where I work. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you so much. And we would love to have you back because I have so many more questions for you. (laughs) Oh, that would be wonderful. That's great. And our Parents Are Hard to Raise listeners, I love getting your emails and questions, so please keep sending them. And this is episode 100. Thank you so much for being loyal listeners. You can reach me at Diane at ParentsAreHardToRaise.org or just click the green button on our homepage. Parents Are Hard to Raise is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Our New York producer is Joshua Green. Our broadcast engineer is Well Gambino. And from our London studios, the melodic voice of our announcer, Miss Dolly D. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, may you forget everything you don't want to remember. And remember everything you don't want to forget. See you again next week. Time, may you forget everything you don't want to remember. And remember everything you don't want to forget. See you again next week.